Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. We are in uh, season one uh, concerning associate agreements from the associate's perspective. I might have to do some relabeling of that. It's a little, yeah. little wordy, Paul. I, I agree. I like it, though. It's, a, it's, a, it's focused on how the associate navigates all this. That's very descriptive, yeah. And so today, episode two, we're going to talk about contractual awareness, So, which is a subject, Paul, that you've heard me uh, talk about in uh, giving presentations and seminars. Yeah. And anybody who's uh, been to uh, one of the seminars that I've spoken at has possibly heard yeah. heard this uh the spiel, but you know, basically, what we're talking about when we talk about contractual awareness for me came from uh, uh, an analogy to a book I was reading many years ago uh, before a family yeah. vacation, which uh, I was taking with uh, my wife and daughter, and downloaded a book for my then ten-year-old daughter, who was uh, a great reader then and and now, but she loves spy stuff. And so the book was uh, written by a former CIA agent named Jason Hansen. It's called Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life. A former CIA officer reveals safety and survival techniques to keep you and your family protected. I will say, Paul, that you, you know, I can't go right out and say, absolutely get this and start reading it to Daphne. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's definitely good stuff in there. There's some freaky stuff. You know, they teach you how to free yourself uh, if you've been duct taped to a, a chair or zip tied to a chair well, in a home invasion. We, sometimes we need stuff to do in these days. So maybe, you know, that's a whole three hour thing. It can be. <laughs> and you know, he has a, a great uh, website with YouTube videos on how to do that too, which uh, again, my daughter found to be very interesting. Uh, but, you know, in all seriousness, though, though there, a lot of what he talks about and a recurring theme in the book is what he calls situational awareness. Yeah. And, you know, as, as people that live and I guess I formerly lived in, in Center City, we all know that that's, a, right. you know, knowing what's going on around yeah. you. You know, you would never just walk down a city street at night by yourself right. without having some paying, you know, some attention to what's going yeah, on around you, right? For sure. The spidey sense. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. The situational awareness. Or one of the examples that uh, Jason Hansen gives, if you're putting gas in your car in a, and there's a wooded area behind you, again, you're lonely, It's there's not... It's late at night. You kind of yeah. pay attention to yeah. what's I mean, going on. You know, on in the city, we, and it's, and it's, it's pointed sometimes. I know I've done the same in other cities where people are wandering around looking at street signs. You just know they're not from around here. Right. And they don't know what's going on. Right. And if they run into the wrong person at the wrong time, it's not a good scenario. 
Right. And if and if guys like you and I can spot somebody right. yes. that's that out of place, we're yeah. not, you know, we're not professionals <laughs> yeah. yes. when it comes to that sort of thing. Yes. The uh, the bad guys can, too, not to scare people from coming to, uh, to Center City of Philadelphia or any other city. But you definitely have to slip into a different gear with your And with I think actually, you know, it's, it's just really for any situation, like you, even a wooded area, I think it's like a valuable tip, you know, just to kind of have awareness of your surroundings. Yeah, and usually that involves not burying your head in a smartphone. Right, yeah, That's yeah. a whole nother, whole nother story. But, uh, so when I was reading that book uh, with, with my daughter at the time, uh, it kind of clicked to me that really when you talk about situational awareness, it's not that dissimilar from what we as lawyers do on a regular basis, which is counsel people on contractual awareness. Yeah. That same sort of awareness of knowing what's going on around you if you're walking down the street applies to the situation where right. you're signing an agreement and understanding what's in that agreement that could come back to haunt you or right. uh, or jump you, so yeah, to yeah. speak, right? Uh, and I think what we talked about in uh, in episode one of, uh, of this season, you know, knowing what's in agreements, understanding uh, so you don't have surprises. And I and think what I'll jump in is there, Rob, just as you're giving you value is that, especially from episode one, you know, you you get a job offer, you like the place, you're about to get a contract, and now your emotions may blind you to some of the red flags because you want this thing, you know? And that's right. what I think is just key where you put the, you know, it's e you know they're easy to overlook because things that, you know, I know you're going to tell us, things that are seem like no big deal to you, the associate, are actually a very big deal. And you find out later they're a big deal. Right. And you didn't have this awareness. It's a big problem. Right. Yeah, for sure. And what we see, too, most of the time when people have problems after and there are things in their contract, uh, they were preventable. You know, yeah. like we, you can't in, in a contract just generally in any context, you know, can't solve all the problems. It can't make right. a bad employer a good employer. It can't make a, a bad dentist a good dentist, a bad associate or a bad partner a good partner. Uh, it just gives somebody the, the platform or the ability to file a lawsuit, essentially. But really what, what you're looking for is to take out as many surprises as right. possible, as many gotchas as possible. And when you talk about, especially associate agreements, these are not necessarily highly negotiable documents. Right. Okay, here it is. You've got your first job. You, maybe you had a few jobs to choose from. You like this one. That doesn't give you the, the, the standing and the ability to negotiate that associate agreement like you're negotiating a $2 million practice acquisition. Right. Yeah. Because if you do that, I will tell everybody listening, you should always try to get what you want in a contract. But if you do that to that extent, you will have negotiate yourself out of a job. And, and, and also, Robin, I'll share this, is that you know, you said, you've told me before, people who start off unreasonable don't get more reasonable, right? So right. also we'll share, if you're an associate and you wanna change 14 things in a contract, there's a bunch of mismanaged expectations all around, right? You know, I was using a, a kind of a, what I think is a funny example. If someone was going to date someone and said, well, I have to watch the Eagles every Sunday, no matter what, which is probably on brand for some people in this mm -hmm. area. Yeah. And the person they're dating, and this could be male or female, this is no idea, you know, that the female could be the Eagles fan and say, oh, she'll, if I have a work function, she won't need to watch the Eagles that, that game. But they're asking to watch the Eagles every single Sunday. Right. So asking for these things, whether the practice owner is aware of it and doing it intentionally or has some document that they printed online, 
it is a red flag. So I think that's what your point is important because if you want to negotiate 14 different things and an associate DMs me and says, I don't like these eight things, I go, don't take this job, right? Because right. I, they, I just think your value is really important. You know, it's, you, you, they don't hire your dental lawyer to Tom Cruise a few good men this thing, right? Yeah, well, and that's it. But, that, but that's also the scope of what a lawyer does. You know, that's ultimately their decision. So the big thing is why you hire a lawyer is to flag Right. The problems. And then once those problems have been identified, you've been counseled, you now can make an informed decision. Right. This is starting to sound like medicine, right, yeah, Paul? Yeah. Informed consent. Yeah. You can make an informed decision as to whether or not it's best to proceed. You don't necessarily hire a lawyer, especially at this stage, to negotiate your contract right. like it's, you know, LeBron James, you <laughs> yeah. know, trying to, you know, get a get a better deal with the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, you also sometimes hire a lawyer to explain what's right. going to happen, what's in that contract. doesn't mean that it, it, it has to change, doesn't mean that it can change, but it's to take away the gotchas, the surprises right. down the road. You don't want to find out what the implications were of a particular provision when you're looking to do something else. And so I will say that, you know, if, and that, that's an important thing to, to understand, that you know, you can read an agreement, right. especially as a, a highly educated professional who has been to college and, and graduate school, dental school, uh, and understand it. Right. But that doesn't mean that you understand all of the, the possible consequences and the ramifications. So what I would say is there's a few different buckets, a few different areas of contractual awareness. Yeah. The first thing is knowing what it says, you know, and it's easy to say, okay, I'm getting paid 35% of the collections. I see that. I know that's right. in there, right? The next step though is to understand the context and the ramifications sure. of the language. So if we're talking about a covenant not to compete, where's that covenant measured from? Where is it measured from? One office where you're working? Is it measured from every each of the, the 10 offices that your employer right. operates, right? So that can have a significant effect. And we talk about ramifications, and we see this in the transition world, Paul. One of the big ones are restrictive covenants, right? You know, and, and understanding. And I'm going to jump in and say something as a, a, a Dental Amigos public service announcement. And you know, I've talked about this. I even made a you know a, a post on this recently. You know, when it comes to giant life decisions, it's great to get feedback from Facebook groups and Instagram, but it's likely not a great idea to rely on that feedback because when it's two years later and you can't get a loan for that practice, right? I'll use a Gary Vee one. Smiley Pants two 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 is not going to come and say, "Oh, sorry, I forgot that restrictive covenants." Are, when they say, "Oh, don't worry about a restrictive covenant," nobody enforces those, right? They kind of say, like my grandma say, talking out of their hat, whatever that meant. I know there's a more crass way to say that, but like, I go, have you ever been involved in any of these things? They go, no. I go, I've heard they're not enforceable. Who's talking oh, about yeah. this? So I just think that's really important. PSA for the groups. Smiley, Dr. Smith from o Tulsa, Oklahoma is not going to be there in New York City when Bank of America says no loan because you're restrictive covenant. You can't go back to that Facebook post and he'll say, sorry, I just was a dentist, not a lawyer. Ah, uh, so true. I'm glad you said that uh, because, and that is one of the pet peeves that I have, uh, whether it's a blog or a Facebook group where I see people chiming in and opining on what the, the, the dentist can or can't do yeah. uh, or should they have received compensation or not or, you know, whatever. They're, they're giving them legal advice. And I'll tell you, right, as a lawyer right away, I, 
I could go and check the profile and see, yeah. like, is this person a dentist or a lawyer? I know they're not a lawyer. Right. Because yeah. no lawyer would ever be able to give advice to somebody without having seen the contract. And we say this about our patients all the time. One quick funny story is like this. I, said, one, I had a patient um, like a, a decade ago. It was my dad's patient. I had, you know, talked about a dental implant. She was afraid she was going to get it. And she said, okay, okay, Katie, I, we left. She's going to get it. She came back two weeks later. I'm not going to get it, Paul. I go, okay. Why not? She said, my hairdresser says they don't work. I go, I don't say mean things about your hair, do I? And I just think that's a perfect example there, yeah. right? And you're right. These aren't lawyers because a lawyer who's good at what they do, like a dentist is good at what they do. We wouldn't give willy-nilly advice on some Facebook post about someone getting a bridge or an implant. We would say, we need to know, see the x-rays. We need to see a 3D, a CBCT. Right. What do you know about it? So just, just take that dentist because what Rob is sharing and hopefully what I'm sharing is like, these are things that can really prevent you from getting into really, really big problems. Oh, for sure. And and that's and it's important for people to realize, and I think your analogy to dentistry is a good one here, because every situation is different. Right. And and don't assume that because a friend or a colleague or a relative signed an associate agreement that said something, that your agreement right. is going to say the same thing. It is a contract, just like the other contract, but that's really where the similarities end, right? right? Yeah. And so what matters is what's in your contract yeah. and understanding what your contract says, understanding what the potential ramifications and pitfalls are in your contract. And I think, you know, with this is such a good point. It actually cuts both ways because the too good to be true thing happens too because someone says i this dentist offered me a contract no lab bills no lab bills i can leave whenever i want and things like, and i go this doesn't sound right either right i'm like if i was an owner mm -hmm. while i try to be very well, i treat people i want to treat i don't know if i would have such a a so many clauses that would maybe put me at risk. So your lawyer, like you said, I was important, is to explain to you what these things mean on both sides of this. You know, right? You know, what does no lab bills ever mean? Do they have a CEREC and they're going to do this, or does this mean that they're running their business terribly? Right? You know, right. It could, could mean that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's an important thing too, and kind of digress a little bit. Maybe digress. We'll, we'll diverge a little bit with this one, Paul. That you know how you approach the contracts just generally and you know the, the philosophy that you should be approaching contracts at least what i believe yeah. and this is really the philosophy of you know, the, the folks that work uh work with us uh is that there doesn't necessarily you don't have to approach this for there to be a winner right. and a loser in a contract there are people that do that uh and there are certain industries and we'll we'll go unnamed that yeah. that try to win deals uh, or win contractual relationships. But generally speaking, if we're dealing with an owner operator and an associate or two partners, whatever the case may be, or you've got a couple of dentists, what you're looking for is a workable arrangement. Yep, right? And you, so, I think we're saying, Rob, you gotta spend time with these people. If I say to Mary, we're going to go to Elvez, then we're going to do stand-up comedy, then we're going to watch football. I won that day of planning. Well, she's going to be with me. I don't think she'd be too happy on all right. those things, right? right? So that's not a win for me sure. to say we're going to do football, comedy, and margaritas and nachos. Well, instead of I said, why don't we just do Elvez, then we'll go to the flower show. I'm using an example. And that's kind of what you're saying with these agreements. Yeah, or, or here, it'll take it even one step further. What if Mary has a high-paying job and comes home every day? And you're laying on the couch playing Xbox, <laughs> yeah, right. right? Like, you know, you may have a really good gig there yeah. until that ends, right? right? Exactly. So most relationships where there's a winner and a loser are generally not set up for, for the long haul, yeah, for, for success. Yeah. And so 
that doesn't mean that you compromise yourself or give on certain terms. You still want to try to get a good deal for yourself. But if it's so far to the detriment of the other person, you're just going to just spell a, a, a sooner end right. to whatever relationship, exactly. employer, employee, partner, whatever the case may be. So, you know, to that point, you know, one of the things, while it can be challenging to negotiate uh, all the terms of these agreements, and you have to really, I think, pick yeah. and choose the things that are important, where you really do have some some fodder is where there are ambiguities right. or, you know, something that just doesn't make sense, inconsistencies. Because, again, you can look at that agreement and say, well, you know, it's wrong, but it's sort of wrong in my favor, but it's not entirely clear. Okay. Do you know what the other side's right. expectations. Right. If it's not clear to you before you've signed it and you start at work, you don't want to take that job and find out in week two that, yeah, that that lab fee deduction that they had in there, this is what they thought that was, and you're making less right. money. Now, you work there. What are you going to say? Like, hey, you're ripping me off? Right, and also, it's such a good point, because you and I have bantered about this over the past years. Like, if you brought me a treatment plan from a dentist, and I said, hey, Rob, I've been a dentist for 20 years. I have no idea what this treatment plan says. That's a huge red flag because I do this all the time. And then like what you're sharing with your client is I do all this all the time and this is really unclear here and I'm looking at these all the time. So they either, it either needs to be clear or you are taking a huge risk. And that's where, you know, it sounds like, you know, and I'm not jumping ahead, but it's, it sounds like you usually find out about these things when you need to go do something else. Right. And that's not good. Yeah. yeah. Or when you're about to get paid right. or, you know, yeah. an important moment. And, and that's really basic. You know, I will tell you, literally week one of first semester of contracts yeah. in, in law school is that in order for there to be a contract, there has to be a meeting of the minds, right? right? And so if you have a situation where two reasonable people could look at a provision in a contract and an associate agreement and have different interpretations right. as to what it means, that's, that's a bad thing. And, you know, and to your point, I'd rather find that out now and address that before. Right. And if you are an associate and you see a contract that has ambiguities and things that just don't make sense, and you're trying to make revisions to clarify that, and you're getting resistance right. from the practice, I'm not gonna say it's a red flag, but that's a pretty solid yellow. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. like why, why don't they want this to be done right? Now that doesn't mean you're nitpicking it to the point where you know, it's a level of, of annoyance or a level of detail that's uncalled for. But if it says different things in, diff in different places, you need to address it. Yeah. Uh, and, and if somebody's unwilling to, then you know, that's a problem. And I will say, too, that along the, those lines, if there are things in a contract that you don't intend to follow or you can't right. follow, don't enter into an agreement that has those things in yeah. it. Know, and, and because the cost of dealing with this down the road is just too great. And we're, we're going to talk about restrictive covenants later in the season, but that's obviously one of the, big, one of the biggest examples, especially and one of the things is, to, you know, we should just add this value as a theme throughout, and mm -hmm. which I'm more just feedback to you, is like you've seen, I don't, I don't know if the right word is scrutiny, but some more hotter temperatures with some of these contracts and people leaving their contracts, even over the past few years, you've told me, right? I oh, mean, wow. Yeah. So like, because replacing associates has become very difficult. Yeah. So if you're an associate and thinking it's no big deal, it's a 90 day termination notice. I'm just going to leave in nine days. They're not going to care. Yeah. People ask me this all the time through private message. Rob. 
I have a 90-day termination notice, and I want to leave. Do you think I could leave, Paul? I go, I'm a dentist just like you. Yeah. I'm like, could you just ask? Because I don't want to tell you something that someone is able to, I'll use your word, claw back money from you, right. never pay you, right? Right. And I also just want to share for associates, whether it's the first time you're listening to this, even my associates, they're never fully paid at any time. There's always some sort of trailing pay. While we pay guaranteed money, the practice often has these cards, to use a thing, that they can hold. And then the associate needs to be paid. So it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm being confusing around, but it's sort of like the practice sometimes has the upper hand of that. The big L word. Yeah. Leverage. Yeah, leverage. Right. <laughs> and sometimes we, I actually have to keep up with this because I don't want to have some giant amount that I owe over because I don't right. like that emotion. But some practices do. Yeah. Some people say, I mean, I, I dealt with someone on dental notches that had like over $20,000 they waiting to get paid. And I was like, you might have to just never think of this money go really paul i said i don't ask an attorney yeah well stakes the stakes get high yeah, yeah. oh that, that that's for sure yeah uh and you know, we'll, we'll talk about term and termination uh in, in a later episode but there are a lot of things that we've seen in the last two years that have completely changed and and the landscape for these contracts have changed dramatically i mean i've represented dentists for 27 or so plus years, I think. Do some math. Uh, but uh, things that used to be okay or you didn't have to worry about, you do now. And I think I'll lay it like this. Like, let's say you have a roommate and you're $2,000 a month in rent and need you to pay 1000 and you guys get into an enormous fight and you don't want to be roommates anymore, but you don't have the 2000 Well, yeah. you may have to live together in a friction-filled way, and I've, I've started to see this in the dental world. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, it's worse than that, though. I mean, or at least this is what I'm attributing to. I mean, with the you know the, the growth of corporate ownership and DSOs, it has changed the tenor of yeah. a lot of associate agreements. So what used to be very friendly, folksy agreements, now, uh, certainly with a corporate employer, do not assume that it's going to be a friendly, folksy right. agreement. You know, as we've talked about previously, you know, these are contracts where if somebody's trying to win, right. you know, you have... Uh, a, a big firm, big city lawyer that has put together this template of agreement, which is loaded against the associate, right? That's that's the the type of owner, and that's and the type of, the of lawyer that works for that owner. And, and owners don't always, it's, that yeah. doesn't mean them are bad people. And even if you have an owner who, who might be the nicest dentist in the world, and she's great, but if her lawyer is somebody who has that right. philosophy that I'm gonna stick it to that associate, she gets this agreement and thinks, I hired my lawyer to prepare this agreement. Oh wow, she doesn't know it's a humdinger. Yeah. You know, it's got all kinds of things in there that cost the associate lots of money. And I would just say it, and you know, I, I know your favorite clients, Jeff Goodman, not Paul Goodman, but like Paul and Jeff Goodman, we work in our practices. If our associates skip town, another cliche, we would just have to do more work. But some of these agreements you're signing as an associate, if you're not working there, the practice shuts down. Yeah. So it's like that's it's a totally different level of pressure. Totally. And business agreement, like you're the you are the licensed dentist that allows eight people to come to work. They purchase this thing. You're the dentist there. It's not working for Paul and Jeff Goodman. Where mm -hmm. yes, if you we don't want anyone to leave Prince Road, we're like I guess we got to work harder, see more hours. But you know, I just think that's as good example I know we'll talk about the future of the differences in those those scenarios yeah oh for sure but then on top of that though the forms of those agreements have sort of leaked out to like the non-corporate non-dso right, yeah. so I mean years ago it was kind of funny we were working on a deal and uh Anna Haslinski in my office came in and said you know I kind of recognize this uh this form of this agreement, this looks like one of our asset purchase <laughs> agreements, you know, and, but it's like an older version, you know, and like it came from some 
buddy on a deal someplace in Florida or something that we had, yeah. had no like no previous dealing with any of the any of the parties. You know, yeah. like somewhere someone where along the line somebody had crypt our 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 form of agreement. That same thing happens. Spoiler alert, Paul. Not infrequently in the dental right. world where somebody says like, "Hey, Paul." can I get your contract? Because right. I'm going to hire somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they don't want to hire a lawyer. They're going to ask their buddy, the dentist. Yeah. And they don't know what the heck's in there, you know, because all the counseling that you got, Paul, when you got the contract is completely lost. So it's kind of like getting the, uh, calling your payroll company, like, give me a handbook, yeah. employee handbook. Here <laughs> right. it is. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the employee handbook. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like the 10 commandments. Yeah, it yeah, says yeah. what all employee yeah, handbooks yeah, yeah. must say. Uh, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, as a practice owner, you got this agreement that you're not really sure if it's even what you want it to right. say. But like, if you're stealing, you know, put that, I guess it's stealing. You're stealing the forms right. of agreement from these, you know, more onerous, predatory yeah. sources. Then all of a sudden, what used to be, you know, what could have been a, a very folksy arrangement yeah. is now I got this like, you know, this brutal contract with like, you know, all the chambers full and ready to fire. And, and what I'll share is I know you put is like, if this is the first time you're signing a, a, a contract associates, please get the right people on your side yeah. because you're doing this for the first time. And this literally could be the 50th time for the person doing it. Uh, the, the, the counterpart, and like you said, Rob, is not a contest, but it is something where you want to be prepared, aware and protected. Yeah. Yeah. And know what to anticipate. And I've got a couple other points, but let me kind of seize on that for a minute, Paul, because I think that's really an important thing too, especially for younger dentists, first time associates. This is for most people, the first time in your life that you're going to sign an agreement that really means something yeah. that has variables in there and consequences, yeah. right? So you roll through college, uh, dental school, you sign some apartment leases, you lease your Subaru, yeah. you know, like it's got this six page uh, lease agreement with six point font, three columns yeah, on the yeah. back, right? You know, nobody reads that, not even a lunatic lawyer yeah, would yeah. sit there in the dealership like, he's still there, <laughs> four hours, he's on the fifth page of the of the lease, you know, he's gotten yeah. to, to the default provisions, right? Yeah, yeah. And he has some questions for the, for the manager. Right? No, nobody in the right mind does that, but, so, yeah, and there are protections built into that. You yeah. know, the, the Fair Trade Commission doesn't let, you know, Subaru leasing put something right. in a contract that could be, be a whipsaw for you. Um, same thing even to some extent with apartment leases. Yeah. A lot of them are vetted by state uh, realtor associations and, and things like that. But, you know, the associate agreement right. that you're getting from big corporate or even from the owner-operator, whomever, there's no... Yeah, you know, there's there's any there's no limit to like the things and the traps and the yeah. bad stuff that can be in there. And so understanding this agreement, understanding the variables that yeah. could be in your particular agreement, understanding what it means. This is you know this is what we're talking about contractual awareness. Sure. But I think my observation a lot of times is with young dentists who end up signing agreements that have provisions in there that aren't good is they didn't flip that switch. They didn't realize that hey. Uh, this is not, you know, the apartment lease that I signed as a senior in college. Now, this is an associate agreement that means something. 
you know, and, and it has ramifications and impact. So yeah. big takeaway here, if, if people don't take away anything else, realize that, you know, these are grown up contracts, yeah, you know, and, 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 and they have I, to be treated like I such. I think sometimes, you know, it's reasonable to make it so much like to be scared, to so you become aware and prepared. I mean, you should be a little scared of something. I mean, talk even from the beginning. Yeah. You know, be a little scared if you're walking down Broad Street at 2, 8, 2 a.m. I've lived in Philadelphia for 20 years. I'm a little scared. Right. In a good way to make me aware and prepared. I'm concerned, right? You yeah. Know? Is yeah. it scared or it's even alert? Alert. Yeah, right. right? That's Alert's the word. Yeah, right? yeah. You need I'm to be alert. alert. Right. Yeah. You know, right. So I, I like that. So, you know, we talked about, you know, un, you know, understanding, seeing what it says, understanding what it means, clarifying ambiguities, uh, you know, understanding your obligations is a big one, too. Yeah. You know, uh, any contract, especially an associate agreement, how much. Uh, notice do you have to give before you can yeah. uh, uh, be terminated? Do you have to provide a copy of your malpractice insurance yeah. to the employer each year to, to show that proof? Like, what do you have to do from an ongoing compliance standpoint? Again, yeah. being aware what your ongoing obligations are in that contract. Uh, because if not, you know, there could be something that you're required to do that you don't do that could put you in breach of, of that contract, whether it's an associate agreement or a lease when you, you know, move yeah. forward in the in the process where you had to tell your landlord that, hey, I wanna renew my lease for five more years on a certain date and you fail yeah. to do it. It's understanding those you know, contract administrations, shall we say. And uh, here's the last topic that I have on this one is keeping copies of agreements. Okay. Yeah, sounds silly. I think I, I probably I'm probably blushing a little bit, Paul, <laughs> saying that the fact that I have to say it, but I have to say right. it that it's not com- infrequently where we talk to people and they have questions about their situation, what they can and can't do, and they don't have a copy of the agreement. Yeah. And when you're in some sort of situation, you have an issue, you're about to transition, you're thinking about buying a practice, you're thinking about doing a uh, startup, whatever the case may be, you know, you're, you're about to, to engage with your employer in a not so great kind right. of way. That is not the time to be asking for, hey, do you have a copy, right. copy I mean, of just, my, that when, agreement when, I signed three years ago? If someone asks you a question that's out of, out, I know we're going to be wrapping up, but it's just like this happens. I know we're going to get to this with, as I'm a transitions broker. Hey, what does your Dentrix report say about your collections? Why don't you ask your office manager? If you go in the next day and say, could I have all of our printouts from the past five years of how much money we've made? They're going to be like, ding, 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 ding. So this is the same thing. If you go to your employer and say, I was just wondering for fun if I could read over my contract from two and a half years ago about the term. And, and, you know, that's not fair to your uh, employer either because maybe it's something for that's, you know, not even you're not going to leave the next day. Just keep it yourself so you can review it. So I think that's just such a valuable piece of advice for all all agreements, but especially your associate agreement. Well, not to mention, too, like if you have this agreement, if you don't have a copy of it, uh, did the employer ever sign it? Right. Do you have an agreement? Like, you know, I won't even go into, you know, sort of that that becomes like a law school exam hypothetical is, yeah. to, you know, whether or not that's an enforceable contract based on all these facts. Right. Just get the contract, damn it, and keep a keep a copy of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, uh, and and it's not an unreasonable request at the time you sign it. You know, yeah. while we while we said, you know, the 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 bells go off when you make that request down the road after you've been employed there for three years. Uh, it's perfectly reasonable to say, yeah, um, I sent you that agreement last week. Uh, we're going to start working next week. Can I get a copy of that right, contract right. from my, my records? That's JBN. Just be normal. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. And, and if you get like a weird response to that, uh, you may want to rethink whether or not that's that's yeah, the right place for totally you. I agree with you. 
Uh, well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, as always, you, you know where to find Paul, you know where to find me. Uh, and uh, if you like this episode or you just like the Dental Amigos, uh, please go on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud or one of those places and give us a good review. And I should say also on our uh, the Dental Amigos website, which is thedentalamigos.com, uh, there's a feature in there where you can uh, post a question. Nice. So yeah, if you yeah, have a question, a question or topic or you know want to know something, uh, just uh, you can go in there and leave a message, and uh, Paul or I will uh, get back to you on that. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.